Welcome to the Holistic Icon Podcast, hosted by Dr. Nisha Chellam, a board-certified internist and holistic medicine specialist who understands the science of disease and the art of healing. Every week, Dr. Nisha gives you tips on how to take control of your health, because you are your best doctor. Here's your host and author of Transform Your Thyroid, Dr. Nisha Chellam. So good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Shalom and Marina from Holistic Icon. Welcome to our podcast. And this afternoon, we were going to talk about depression and um, very similar to anxiety, but still um, a little different um, because depression is, a comp- is the other spectrum of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And obviously, one of the things that we like to discuss is, is there another approach to depression besides just taking a whole bunch of antidepressants? And should you be taking antidepressants at all? And we'll get into all of that. So I think before we um, start off with that, I, I think it's very important to understand what is depression. Um, there's a difference between depression and grief, and we have to really um, address that first. Because a lot of times when you lose somebody very close, um, like uh, a parent losing a child, that's grief. That's un believable grief, um, or you lose a spouse, that is grief. And we sometimes tend to confuse between grief and depression. Grief can last a very long time, depending on how big the blow is and how unexpected it is. Whereas depression is where there is no bereavement. There is nothing that's triggering it off, but there's this feeling of sense of hopelessness and helplessness and almost um, a lot of people struggle with even suicidal ideations. That's a very severe form of depression, and there are mild versions of the depression. So uh, anytime you struggle with helplessness and hopelessness for over two weeks um, or intermittently for at least a two-week period, and you don't have a trigger that could have brought that on, that is um nothing that's stressing you to feel that way, you just wake up feeling that way, it's defined as depression. Is there like a situational depression? Yes. So a situational depression. So the very first people, some people are more prone to depression than others. Mm -hmm. There is a genetic trait and there are um, other factors which we will talk about in a minute, but uh, sometimes there is, there's a strong genetic trait. So the very first episode or major depressive episode can always be preceded or usually is preceded by an event. But then it persists. Then it persists or it refires. It's called the kindling. It mm-hmm. keeps happening over and over again. And you don't know why you're depressed. It's like, you know, this happened 25 years ago. I got divorced. I was really unhappy at that time. And then I've been doing well, but I don't know why I just feel depressed. That's the kindling of those that feeling of apathy or um, feeling of hopelessness. And I think that's what is defined as depression. So why does, um, why do people have depression? Here's what I would say from what I have uh, seen, especially having learned the functional medical approach, just so much to learn from the function of the body, function of the cells, but here's what we know. Without a full assessment, somebody should never be put on antidepressants for the rest of their life. This is 
this is something that I want uh, really well understood. Yes, some people do need antidepressants. They need to get to it at some point, but we always have to look for the root cause. Um, so we have a lot of biochemical changes that can happen. you got to look at, number one, the patient's genetics, number two, their gut, mm -hmm. and their hormones. If we don't address all these three and put together, just giving somebody an antidepressant, and then when you look at the antidepressants, when you really look at the history, um, majority of the antidepressants work in the first few months, but in two years, almost uh, greater than 50% of them do not work. People are either increasing dose or adding new medicines or changing, going for a newer one. And that tells us something about medications not being the solution. So depression should be considered not as a separate entity, but a symptom of an underlying problem. And our job should be, as we treat the symptom, as with anything else, we got to dig and find out what is the true underlying problem that's causing this person to feel depressed and helpless. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. All right. Let's see if it makes sense to anybody else who's listening to us. Um, so let's get into the uh, nitty-gritty details of how would you approach depression in a different way. I think everybody understands in the traditional way, you go to your primary care doctor, you tell them that, yeah, you are hopeless or you feel helpless. But again, I have to mention here, guys, when you have a true grieving uh, situation, it, let your primary care know and be very realistic about uh, how much time it takes for you to get over that particular loss, whether it be a loss, like I said, of a parent or a child or a pet. Um, there's, a, there's a grieving period we all have. That's not a period to be treated. That's not a period to say, I don't want to feel the sad. You got to feel sad because that is the natural, um, it's like the catharsis of whatever that loss might be. But I think a lot of people go in erroneously and say, you know, I've been depressed since my father died two years ago. Mm -hmm. But that may need a little more. Maybe you need um, therapy in addition to some support. But let's look at what are the things you have to um, really address before you get into it. Um, so as, as you know, being, being a functional medical practice, we always look at the five pillars of health. And one of the commonest pillars is nutrition, right? Yeah, it's a big one. It's a huge one. 86% yeah. um, will be probably your nutrition. Mm -hmm. But here's what you also have to remember. If there's anything else, I want you guys to read um, the, I, I posted something about the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton. A lot of the things about ourselves is how healthy our thought process, our thoughts really determine our health. So a lot of times we have to look at what are we feeding ourselves. The commonest uh, few things that we can actually directly have seen a correlation between how we can get depressed or angry or upset will be, of course, insulin resistance the highs and lows of sugars, like right? underlying theme in these podcasts. It's an underlying theme in our health. Mm -hmm. um, so sugar, um, if it goes highs and, uh, high and low, you are going to have those mood swings. 
So one is insulin resistance. The other would be also the lack of the right kind of amino acids, which produce what we call the neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters are the chemical substances that allow our nerve cells to speak to each other. Now they need, they come from amino acids and amino acids are the breakdown of protein. And we have the two important amino acids we talk about is tyrosine and tryptophan. Tyrosine goes on to form dopamine and norepinephrine and tryptophan goes on to form serotonin. So what we really need to uh, see is how does the, the tyrosine, when you eat some food, how does it get to the brain to become a neurotransmitter? That's the other big barrier that it has to go. Mm -hmm. So tyrosine is actually formed in the liver. Uh, it's a conversion of the phenylalanine to tyrosine. So that requires a certain number of enzymes, vitamins, and minerals. And if you have a deficiency of any of those vitamins and minerals, you don't make tyrosine. Which means nutrition. Nutrition, yes. There could be a absorption also, digestion, digestive yeah. process mm -hmm. too. You can eat all you want, but if your digestive process is messed up, you probably would not be able to absorb them. Of course, the right nutrition, making sure digestive processes are good. And then the next step is the tyrosine needs to get into the brain for it to become a neurotransmitter. For that transition to happen, you need to have good function of the insulin. Mm -hmm. And when the tyrosine gets into the brain, then again, you have the vitamins like you have oxygen, iron, vitamin C, the B complex, especially B6, and that gets converted to the L-dopa, becomes dopamine, dopamine becomes norepinephrine, and at every stage, there's a certain number of B vitamins that you need. Um, people would have heard of a product called SAM-E which a lot of people buy that, but they don't know why they buy it. It's because it helps with the production of um, smooth transition of these neurotransmitters. Now, tryptophan, on the other hand, was another amino acid that forms serotonin. Also, if there's an imbalance there, you can land up being very depressed. Now, high serotonin makes you very sleepy, which is what we see after the turkey dinner, right? We spoke about it during anxiety. But here's what you need. First is digestive process. Now, what affects our digestive process? Obviously, the gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. And of course, having the varied foods. A lot of us, we are creatures of habit. We eat the same things over and over again. And so we're never well nourished. Um, so you have to look at your nourishment. You'll have to look at your digestive process. You'll have to really look at the vitamins and minerals before you say, you know, all I need is an antidepressant. Right. There's a lot of underlying factors. And antidepressant is really kind of like your band-aid for a minute to yes. help you to get to where you need to be, but it should not be a long-term thing. Long-term, you really want to look at what else is going on because you can't be an antidepressant forever. It's just not going to work for you. It never Bottom does. Line. It usually doesn't. And the and so what the, what has happened is more recently we have genetic testing of the medications to see hey which medicine works well. What yeah. do you metabolize? What actually works? Where it's it's a newer approach. Um, it is a lot of times it works. A lot of times it doesn't work. But a good majority of the time when people say that antidepressants do not work, that's another option if they have addressed all of these other. Um, uh, 
you know, um, what other factors like the digestive process, your nutrition. But also we have to take into consideration your genetic trait. When you have a genetic trait, you have what we call the frailty gene. You may be more at a higher potential for depression, but I've also seen people who have the genetic trait be very happy because you can bypass. Remember, genes are just information. That information needs to get translated. And for it to get translated, your environment should be conducive so that you know the wrong genes get translated, then you have depression. But let's talk about the modifiable um, things that people can do before they decide, you know, I think I need a medication. Number one is managing the sugar intake. Yep. That's right? huge. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge one. The other one is caffeine. Mm -hmm. In fact, people can get, people who are depressed, if they are drinking a lot of coffee, all they need to do is wean off the caffeine. You'll be amazed at how much the mood actually picks up. And, you know, it sounds counterintuitive. You know, I'm depressed. I need something to kick me up. But actually, caffeine brings you down really bad. So that's another one. And then um, is there anything else that from a diet standpoint, I think I had taken some notes. Let me tell you so I won't forget. Alcohol. Mm -hmm. Alcohol. I never remember alcohol because, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't drink. I, I miss out on a lot of the fun. But alcohol can actually, initially, it gives you that high, but then it really gets you down low. And when you are a chronic uh, drinker, you actually tend to be more on the depressive side because it somehow it depletes you. Right, exactly. It depletes your nutrition, too, which is a big thing. So, again, when your nutrition is depleted, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything goes down. The same thing, when you have a triggering event, your mood goes down, you know, all these things go down, your body's trying to fight it, cortisol goes up. Cortisol is another big one, too, with yes. depression. Yes. So over a period of time, your body just becomes depleted, and it cannot make the amino acids or get them to where they need to be for lack of nutrition. And so no matter how many antidepressants you take, you're nearly never going to get to that point where you want to be unless you fix all that other stuff. Right. And, you know, sometimes counterintuitively, again, when we are depressed, what do we do? We feel good when we eat a tub of ice cream yeah. or a whole bunch of chocolates. So for that moment, you feel that's good. Amazing. There are some people who respond to it, but it's a short term. It's like a big high, like having the cocaine and then addiction. Yeah. yeah and then it and you just drop down. So you have to be cognizant of how your mood varies with your nutrition. Now, um, as far as uh, uh, the things that you can uh, alter, obviously one was the diet and the other is um, the caffeine and the alcohol intake. And then, of course, we want to introduce another very important and easy thing that you can do, which is exercise. Yep. Anybody who exercises actually finds their mood does or change and they do feel a little more happier. So if you're one of those who um, who's almost like a couch potato, try to get up and move, which is a little harder when you are depressed to get the motivation to do something. Mm -hmm. This is where you want to partner with someone who can actually take you out. We tend to isolate ourselves when we get depressed. And um, getting that one person who's reaching out to you, getting them to help you get out and or get into that, uh, take that first step to just exercise, that will alter your neurotransmitters too. And really, studies have shown that it is as good as taking a medication, um, re regular and daily exercise with the right kind of nutrition. So, yeah, and getting outside for the exercise too actually makes a huge difference. So, if at all possible, get outside. 
Trees are good. Sunlight. Yeah. Absolutely. Nature is very good walking, um, walking outside. Um, and then of course, um, I guess hanging out with the right people who have a positive mindset, but a lot of people who are depressed do tell you that they just don't feel like doing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you have that insight, that you don't feel like doing it, all you have to do is, it's the hard, the first step is the hard step where you have to get yourself out and get that help or just seek professional help. I'm sure um, we also see that psychotherapy, a lot of the studies show psychotherapy works very well in conjunction with the antidepressants. So again, very important to make sure that you uh, focus, identify that you have depression and also address it with all of these. Um, I see that a few of uh, our regulars are here. Hi, Diane. Hi, Pam. And Rosalie. Hi. Hello. And I'm going to also pull up a few other things that we, we spoke about the dietary factors. There's a few other things that I want to talk about is the sweetness. When you do on a regular basis sweetness, it um, does a few things. They, they really think it either shifts the gut bacteria or they inhibit the absorption of tryptophan. Tryptophan is one of the amino acids that makes serotonin. So make sure you don't buy things with sweetness, especially the um, aspartame. And then you have the monosodium glutamate, which is the MSG, right, that we see a lot. We Sometimes people have noted with MSG there is severe depression, which is very interesting. We, we talk about this all the time. Soy and MSG, which is used in the Asian countries very often. In fact, MSG, a lot of Chinese cooking has nothing but MSG in China. But somehow here we react to it, and I think it's just the way these things are processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're probably, again, altered and uh, create more of a problem for us than actually the benefit that people in the native, um, where these foods are uh, native to, they seem to actually benefit from them and we get hurt by them. So we take all these foods and, yeah, we process the crap out of them. That's all the same thing. Yes. And 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 I think that's the thing. It's our regulations and how the food gets altered. So let's talk about uh, the few other things. So when you go to a doctor and you say, you know, I want a different approach to manage my depression besides medications, what are the things that they tend to look for? And that's what we have to look at too. One of the commonest things which we see in our practice is food sensitivities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly gluten has really been associated a lot with uh, depression. Then milk, yep, dairy, dairy mm-hmm. products. Uh, we find that when we, if, if you're not able to process these foods and you react to these foods, you actually um, create a lot of uh, mood disorders with them. Um, so, set, looking up food sensitivities, right? And with food sensitivities, too, it's not just simply a food sensitivity, but it changes your microbiome and mm-hmm. it increases inflammation overall, especially in your gut, and then it goes everywhere else. So it's like it's not just one thing; it has this like, sprawling effect throughout your body, and the microbiome has just been shown over and over again to have so many effects, especially on mood. 
Yes. And that's very important to understand. We always talk about the gut microbiome. So these are the critters in your gut. So it's almost like 16, 17 trillion bacteria and we have much less yeah. genes, right? And I always, the simplest way I'm able to put it to people is we have the good, bad and ugly in the gut. The good is the one that we, you know, protects us, gives us the vitamins, helps us with our hormones. And the bad and the ugly are there for a balance. But when that balance gets upset, what happens is we don't get a lot of our hormones and neurotransmitters produced as effectively and we have we have seen and especially with a lot of the rat experiments when you change the gut microbiome you actually shift the mood of the animal mm -hmm. and we yeah. think the same thing similar stuff happens to us and we have noticed also here as we our patients change their diet their fiber increases their gut bacteria changes their mood changes but if they're still holding on to that sugar, caffeine, and alcohol, and everything else, it, it's and the just, processed food, and the processed yeah. food, it's just a longer journey to get better. Mm -hmm. um, so our our goal should be to alter the gut bacteria to benefit you rather than harm you. That's one of the things that uh, somebody who is in functional medicine will work on. So changing your diet, looking at your gut bacteria, seeing what needs to be shifted as far as that goes is um, probably one of the biggest testing besides the genetic testing that we do. And then we look at the B vitamins because B vitamins are required throughout the production of the neurotransmitters. We look at the amino acids, L-serine, uh, tyrosine, uh, the glutamine, mm -hmm. um, inositol, carnitine. There are so many of these breakdown products that we look at which will impact the production of neurotransmitters and make sure that you have an adequate, a good dietary program that um, not only stabilizes your blood sugar, gives you uh, the good complement of amino acids for the production of neurotransmitters. Your genetic testing, particularly what is called as MTHFR, it's the methylation uh, trait that we look at to see if the B vitamins are well activated. And one of the blood tests we look for is homocysteine. If you mm -hmm. have a high homocysteine, the chances are your MTHFR um, is not being bypassed, that particular genetic trait. Um, what are the other things that uh, we um, actually see with our uh, patients before we go into what are the treatment uh, modalities or are there any alternative treatments that we can render besides just antidepressants? Is there anything else we see with our patients other than their diet, lack of exercise? I will say, you know, it's really amazing how much relationships play a role in all of this too. So, you know, you don't want to discredit that portion of it too is really your surrounding, your environment, who you're being, who you're around. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's a very good point because um, they see this actually the brain waves change. So if you're one of those that chronically complains and you hang around complainers, you hang around, you know, some people are so good. The minute you give them a situation, you, you can be excited as you want. They will immediately <laughs> see the negative in it. They can, they can pick it out. It's like, what are the 10 things that can go wrong in this situation? And that's maybe how maybe they don't mean it, but that's how it is. Yeah. They, they don't mean it, but they are wired yeah. to see that's the caution in them. And then what happens is when you hang around people who just build that negativity as, a, as our, basically our brain helps us protect uh, it kind of protects us in every situation. And that's a normal knee-jerk reflex for us when we see a new situation is all the things that can possibly go wrong. 
Number one, you have to learn to fight it. It, it is a conscious conversation you have with yourself. Number two, hang out with people who only can see the glass full, half full. It's a little harder, but even those people have trained themselves to get to that point where they look at some situation and all they can see, even through the problem, is how much good that's going to come out of it. And that's the kind of people you should hang out with because when you hang out with, um, I say this always, when I used to go to the assisted living where one old lady might sitting uh, sitting at the table, dinner table, say, oh, my God, my hip hurts. And she's trying to g gather all the sympathy. And then the woman next to her says, oh, only your left hip hurts. My right hip hurt too. And then the third one says, you don't know, I've replaced all of this. And now my shoulders hurt. And they just build it up. And nobody's feeling any better. Yeah. If at all, anything, they were trying to one-up each other to see who is um, in a worse situation. Uh, so when, when you go to a friend and you're telling them, you know, I feel so depressed, this is what is happening, if they tell you about their depression, that's not a good match. They should be helping you see the positive side of the situation because every situation has a positive side and has a negative side. Even the most negative things can be turned around. So it's extremely important to see who you hang out with, who are the five people on a daily basis you come into contact with. If they're bringing you down, maybe it's time to find, find new people. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, anything else that we have and as far as the environment goes before we get into what are the um, uh, alternatives besides medications that they can do. You know, just, uh, you know, clarify again, you have a trigger, you know, something happens and we have so many times people are like, oh, well, this happened to me 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And these things do build on themselves because their root cause was never addressed. Because when you have that trigger, you do have a decrease in minerals and nutrition and vitamins. Your Everything in your body just doesn't work as well. And so when you continue to have that situation without ever doing anything about it, then it's just going to progress and get worse. And that's kind of when people find us is at that point. And, you know, to answer that a little more clearly, so I had a patient who came in this morning and she said, so are you telling we don't treat the symptoms, we just work on the underlying cause? No. We treat the symptoms, but as you're treating the first symptoms, you look for the underlying causes and you look for the underlying imbalances. I never say don't take a medication. Somebody is suicidal. You got to do something to stop, put the brakes mm -hmm. there and get them to not progress further in that direction. But at the same time, that is not the solution. That's just like, I'm going to hold this in place till you fix. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like putting a crutch till you fix. But the problem is we, it's like telling a child that falls, who's learning to walk, um, you, you fell here, hold on to these crutches and walk for the rest of your life on crutches. Yeah. You, you know, you, you help the child, you give that whatever that walking toy, but you eventually make sure that the child learns to walk. And that's what we have to do with all disease processes. You can give a crutch, which might be a medication short term. Ideally, antidepressants were really introduced to give you a six month relief as you work on the mm -hmm. underlying depression process. People take it for 20, 25 years now and still are depressed, still walk around saying, I have depression. And they have anxiety and then they have all sorts of other things. Yeah, then they, it, it evolves into other yeah. things because, and the best way I would say um, is this is the way you would look at it. Um, say you have depression, right? And depression in our eyes, in the functional medical eyes, is a symptom. A symptom of an underlying problem. Let's say the underlying problem is gut inflammation because recently you ate something that 
wiped out your good bacteria in the gut and therefore that antibiotic maybe an antibiotic whatever it may be and you have an inflammation but you have depression so that's a symptom the you take an antidepressant so that symptom gets better but you still haven't fixed the problem in the gut. Now the body is saying, hey, you know what? I gave you depression to make you understand I have a problem in the gut. You just suppressed my symptom. You just suppressed my cry. You just shut me down. So I'm going to give you a new problem. So then it goes and starts giving you a headache. Then you take a headache medicine. And you walk around saying, I have migraine headaches. You take a medicine for migraines. And then again, the body is saying, you know, I try to create a problem. I try to um, uh, get attention to the problem that we have, but then again, you've suppressed the pain with a the medication. Then it gives you psoriasis. So you go get treated. Now, now you're in an autoimmune state, mm-hmm. right? So it's an ongoing problem. Again, you get the light therapy, the cream, or arthritis, and you take uh, anti-inflammation. Eventually, when it gives cancer, you're suddenly looking at it and saying, why am I having all these issues? That's when you begin to ask questions. You ask questions the first time when you have depression, where is the imbalance? And that's what we look at. So we look at the imbalance, change the nutrition, make sure you have the right vitamins and minerals. And then so, and it may be something that has to be adjusted till you get to a better situation where your environment changes, your outlook changes, you're, you're a far more healthy state than when the initial event happened. You know, Time is the best healer. So even if you had an initial event, eventually you do heal over a period of time. So that's something to keep in mind. We're not saying don't take medications, but we're definitely saying medications are not the only solution to this problem. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. So let's look at what are our natural options. I'm going to have to look at some of the information. like we said, the amino acids, if you don't, if you, in fact, studies have shown when people are deficient in these amino acids, you just replace the amino acids, particularly tyrosine and tryptophan. Um, a lot of times the depression really gets better. And then we have the most, uh, the botanicals. Um, there are three ways to look at any evidence in terms of treatment or alternative treatments. We call it um, A, B, and C. A means it's completely being shown 100% through studies, uh, randomized uh, control studies that this thing works. For example, acupuncture for nausea vomiting works. That's a grade A. Mm -hmm. Grade B is where mostly it works. We have seen it. It's not completely, it's not consistent, but most patients say, you know what, this works like ginger for digestive issues. Most patients say, hey, it made a big difference. So we think that's a grade B recommendation. And grade C is anecdotal. You know, it worked in my patient, therefore I think I'm going to use it as an option. Essentially, there's no studies that have There are no studies, yeah. So A and B recommendations is what we try to stick to. Uh, So it means most of the times these things actually work. Um, St. John's wort has been well studied, but then there are other issues because most people don't have only depression. And St. John's wort really interacts with a lot of our medications. So you have to be very careful. You have to take it really under the guidance of a provider or an herbalist, if possible, somebody who understands these botanical herbs. Um, the other one would be the um, ginkgo. Um, the ginkgo, again, a Chinese herb, 
it's really been shown to stimulate and alleviate depression. But again, uh, you don't want to give it in the elderly. Sometimes they can, you know, if they have an underlying dementia, you can actually create a lot of um, aggressive behavior too. So you have to be very careful. Again, like I said, herbs have to be done. I know you can buy a lot of these things over the counter, but you do need to work with a provider who can help you and guide you through this process. Um, the other um, uh, interventions that you can do is, um, besides the diet and these botanicals, I know there was something I am missing here. Uh, um, intravenous B12? Oh, the B12s can be given as uh, IV therapy. I think it's called Myers um, cocktail. Con a cocktail. Yeah. They put in the C's and the B's together and they create a cocktail which you can get as IV therapy that obviously has to be done in a specific uh, place that does these. In, um, and then um, the B vitamins in general. You do the B complex, but it'll be good to check for B3, B6, B12, and the folic acid. So if you're having some absorption issues, that's a good route to go. Yes. Some, you know, kind of if your gut, like, yeah. Yeah, if your gut is still um, uh, inflamed, doing IV therapy is probably the better way to do. But you have to do almost three to six treatments rather than just do yeah. one and say, I'm, I'm done. Um, right, it didn't work. Like these yes. things take time. They have to build up. And then this is something also keep in mind, guys, when you come in with a history of depression for 25 years or you have a certain behavioral issue for 25 years, in fact, when you see depression that's chronic, it's called learned helplessness. Remember I said depression is a sense of uh, hopelessness and helplessness, mm -hmm. but when depression comes over and over again or recurring, it's called learned helplessness. That's why biofeedback and psychotherapy are so effective, and you really need to find the right psychologist who can get you out of it. If you've been seeing your psychologist or your doctor or even for your internist, for that matter, with the same problem for 25 years, nobody's actually fixing the issue. They're just helping you're living with it. They're letting you live with it because they don't know any other options. So these are things that you should be able to overcome. The other things that we have to talk about is magnesium. Magnesium is low in a lot of people with depression. And I think the, the way you look at the magnesium deficiency, it's very interesting. They say, just like iodine deficiency, you literally have to give them a loading dose mm -hmm. and then check the urine and see if they pee out the magnesium. If they pee it out, then they don't need it. If they don't pee it out, that means they absorb all of the magnesium. That's how you see truly magnesium deficiency. But since we, that's not practical to do it, um, we just recommend people taking a magnesium uh, supplement. Then, of course, the chromium and zinc is very important. Zinc is very extremely important for the production of a lot of the neurotransmitters. Um, you have to look at the copper levels um, because even low copper can be a problem, low iron can be a problem, vitamin C deficiency can be a problem. So we look at all of these vitamins, minerals, you can't just go and blindly take them. Sometimes you're just shooting in the dark. Um, it doesn't take very much to do these tests. All you have to do it once and then have a good evaluation. And usually the solution is long-term because one of the goals should be, you should be taught how to take care of yourself. You should know your triggers and you should know your thinking pattern and how to break that thinking pattern. That's what we have to work towards. Mm -hmm. And then I think there are a few other recommendations. Acupuncture does work in some people. Again, everybody is very different because it's, it's again, how uh, 
what is actually your problem? Is it your gut problem? Is it a genetic uh, trait, a methylation problem, which means your vitamin Bs are not working? Um, is it a problem with your enzymes? Your enzymes, uh, you know, genetically are not um, as strong to do the conversion um, of all of the amino acids into the neurotransmitters. And then there are a few other things which are not necessarily well studied, but I will go over this. These would be um, I did tell you about psychotherapy, Jay, saying what? SAM-E. SAM-E, um, adenosylmethionine, is something, it's, a, um, it's when the methionine gets converted to homocysteine, this is SAM-E product that gets formed. It's an intermediate product. It's extremely important in the production of the neurotransmitters. If you don't have enough production of that, you tend to have not enough neurotransmitters and a lot of depression. So we, um, that's another um, supplement that is recommended. These are all grade B recommendations. The grade A recommendation is actually St. John's wort believe it or not. With that one, though, too, if you are taking medicines, you have to be careful because they, yeah, they interact. They work on the same process. So that's yes. the thing with herbs is they are medicinal, and so they target very similar processes that medications do, and then you would overdo it. Correct. So that's, um, um, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, of course, um, physical therapy um, is extremely, oh. um, um, I mean, when I say physical therapy, physical activity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, physical, this is new. No, physical right. activity no. is what I meant. I misspoke. <laughs> it's physical activity is extremely psychotherapy and physical activity. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is um, um, yoga really actually works for a lot of times. Now, what we find is the mind is very fast and our body is very still in general, right? We're constantly, thought processes are going, but we're sitting for eight, nine hours in the day working. What yoga does is just the opposite. It calms the mind down and increases your body's activity. And that shift also helps with depression. So breathing helps with uh, changing the oxygen. A lot of the neurotransmitters need oxygen, and just taking deep breaths can shift the cortisol levels, sh shift your sugar levels, and also create a little more um, uh, relief of any anxiety that's associated with depression. Yeah. Um, and as far as the um, uh, other stuff that are not necessarily well studied, but people have used is the aroma therapy and um, music therapy, art therapy. There are a lot of things that stimulate the creative uh, area of the brain and really decre uh, decrease the negative aspects of our brain. But again, these are all things, any one of these, whether it be exercise, whether it be your diet, whether it be vitamins, it's all about consistency. What you consistently do you will get results for. So if you're consistently brooding, you are going to have always that more of a depress depressive attitude. But if you're cons consistently uh, nourishing yourself and you are exercising and you actually put in a lot of time to into self-care, depression is very easily managed without medications. It's just something to keep in mind. Um, anything else that I haven't uh, covered in what people can do? Well, if you guys have any questions, you can go ahead and type them in. I'll just tell a little story because this is all it's so very multifaceted. So if you just do one thing, like you just do B vitamins, most likely you're not going to get the result. It's usually diet and supplementation that has to go together. So it's usually a couple of different things that have to happen to really get results in the long term. And you have to do it for a while. But um, 
we actually have a really great gut detox that we've done with people who specifically suffer from depression and anxiety. And in six weeks, just a turnaround was amazing yeah, for them. It is. It, it is actually, it, it, it can be very life-changing when suddenly your gut clears, your brain fog clears. Um, so nutrition is very important. The digestion is very important. And then there are other things also to keep in mind when you just said about the change is for people who are on a lot of antidepressants and still feel depressed, you really need to get your genetic testing done. Mm-hmm. And um, it, without that being done, and we're not talking about 23andMe, it really gets something that is going to be read by a professional. And um, like I said, if you're on multiple medications, get the genetic testing done. A lot of psychiatrists can do these genetic blood testing to see if these medicines are appropriate for you. But also check your genes to see if you're prone to depression, severe depression. So that's something to keep in mind also. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up, what do what are we going to talk to people about um, uh, food as medicine at this point? Yeah. So you briefly mentioned vitamin C as one of the things that can help with depression. So people who are deficient in vitamin C, that you know, vitamin C doses do help. Um, one thing to kind of understand about, I guess, our daily recommended intakes of these vitamins um, is that they're really created to prevent disease, not to promote health. So you can be in the normal range for these vitamins if you're doing just a regular blood test, but really for yourself, you're deficient in terms of really functioning properly. So we really have a much higher threshold of how much of these vitamins that we need. And vitamin C is one of those where the RDA for it is like to prevent scurvy versus how much you actually need above that to really promote health and wellness and proper metabolism and for all these neurotransmitters to work properly. So um, vitamin C actually plays a role in the synthesis of serotonin and norepinephrine, which are your little feel-good mm-hmm. neurotransmitters. Um, so they did a couple of studies on 500 milligrams two times a day, all the way up to, I think they were doing like 1,800 milligrams. So it's a wide range that they've done studies with. But yeah, yeah so vitamin C is actually really high in rose hips. So you can do rose hip tea is one way to get it in. Um, yellow peppers, chili peppers, black currants, thyme, parsley, there goes your herbs. Having your herbs in your food is huge. Kiwi, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, lemon, that's the one they were using way back in the day to prevent scurvy and to reverse scurvy. Um, so I think the RDA is about 90 milligrams. They're saying around 500 is really what you would need if, to overcome a deficiency. Um, so strawberries, for example, in one cup, there's 89 milligrams. Um, in lemon, one squeezed lemon, there's 77 milligrams. So just having these things in your diet, overall just having a high fiber diet to kind of get at all of the things and the microbiome and the vitamin C and all the other nutrients. But um, if we want to focus on vitamin C today, there's plenty of things that have it, increasing that fiber, increasing your strawberries, there's kiwis, broccoli, didn't really think about that one, probably Brussels sprouts, kale, magnesium too. Yeah, kale has a lot of both of those actually as well. And as you spoke about vitamin C, I wanted to also add omega-3 is another one that people go back and forth for depression. The studies are very confusing on omega-3. They found that one gram works and then six grams sometimes work, but in three and four doesn't work. So again, I think anytime you take supplements, it's better to work with somebody who knows about these supplements and actually um, puts you on the right one so we can see results rather than just blindly walking down the aisle and Whole Foods or you know anywhere yeah. else and just picking up something that 
and asking the person who stocks these things, hey, how much should I be taking? It's like having the doctors learn from the pharmaceuticals um, sales rep right. how to give the medications. That should, not, that should not be the way that we learn it. So it's the same way. You really want to truly understand the science of these uh, herbs or supplementations. And remember, they are supplements. Uh, that's why they call otherwise they would be called as food. Uh, they are just supplementing to what you're already doing. So supplements work best when your nutrition, your gut is actually good and your environment is actually good too. So uh, we, are, we have to, um, the vitamin C was a very important part, but keep in mind omega-3 is another supplement that has been studied with depression. Yeah, and it's just not about supplements because if you're just going to go and, like you said, off the shelf, take a bunch of stuff, you're probably not going to get much benefit. But even starting your day with either lemon water is a really good option or doing a smoothie with strawberries and lemon and um, what's the one kiwi you can throw in there and some kale. Mm -hmm. Just get a bunch of nutrition in right away in the morning really might help elevate that mood. Yeah. Um, so that's one way to do it. And uh, work on that microbiome work on the microbiome. So to just summarize, guys, when you have depression, long-term treatment is not just medication. Look for the root cause, look at your genetics, look at your gut health, which includes digestion as well as your gut bacteria. Look at your liver health because a lot of the processing happens in the liver if you have a fatty liver. It's a little slower in processing these things. Look at your insulin resistance. And of course, we forgot to mention the very most important hormone, my thyroid hormone. <laughs> your favorite. Yes, we are transform your thyroid. Uh, so the thyroid is being very much associated with severe depression. So you should get your thyroid definitely checked. And we never do uh, depression treatment without checking the thyroid and B12 levels in people with diagnosed with depression, especially if they're older and don't have a history of depression. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when you're looking at the management, not only changing your environment and your relationships, hang out with people who are positive, eat food that is nourishing, make sure the gut, uh, the the digestive processes are good. So if you're eating a lot of um, uh, good food and you feel bloated, then you don't have the right kind of enzymes or the bacteria. So you have to work a little slower, work with a professional to get to the right um, level. It does take time to shift your physiology. You have to remember that. Um, you know, um, I have uh, my, my kids, really a wonderful example. Um, suddenly my daughter decides she's going to eat all healthy and she's been eating healthy for two days now exactly and yesterday she said i don't see i don't see it feel any different well it takes years of abuse for us to get a disease state so it takes at least a few months of consistent good behavior or self-care when i say good behavior self-care care towards self in order to get the results we're looking for so and then of course uh, simple ways through nutrition how you can shift a lot of these neurotransmitters is very important if you have a huge digestive issue just get iv vitamins and uh, as always you can reach out to holistic and integrative center of novi which is holistic icon and you you can um, book an appointment or you can actually give us a call to see how we can help you or if we can help you at all. Is there anything else before we wrap up? I no, think. Um, just for the guys who are joining live with us, next week we'll be on Tuesday, August 21st at 3.30 versus Wednesday. So next week, Tuesday the 21st, we'll be live. Um, hope to see you guys there. All right. Take care. Thank you once again, guys, for joining us. 
Thank you for joining us on the Holistic Icon Podcast. Subscribe for the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or visit holisticicon.com to listen to past episodes. Want to take control of your health and live a life of wellness? Dr. Chellen's best-selling book, Transform Your Thyroid, teaches you how to overcome fatigue, depression, weight gain, and more, and is available on amazon.com.